We're recording this at 7 in the evening on March 2nd, 2020. Trade deadline has come and gone, and by the time you hear this, one AHL team has already been eliminated from the playoffs. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show where one host forgot about the trades his team made this week. Stay tuned to find out which one. <laughs> I'm Stuart Jones, and with me is Darren Plett. Hey, Darren. Hi. It could have been anybody, really. It could have been. So let's start with our uh, scorecard of how well our predictions turned out from last episode, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, so we predicted a period of games from February 20th through to March 1st, including the trade deadline in there where, you know, things got mixed up and people moved and other mm. stuff happened. It was vaguely exciting. Yeah. We'll talk about that more, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe not. We remember to. <laughs> Uh, but in that time, uh, the Oilers had five games. Uh, for some reason, we were reasonably optimistic about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they'd win three out of five. You thought they would win four out of five. I said that? You did. Well, I have it written down. I may have gotten it wrong, but... <laughs> Darren says four, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Either way, they went two, two, and one. Uh, so, hmm. you know, not great. Not great. Yeah, they didn't really play great teams either, did they? I don't know. It's kind of a mixed bag, but I guess we'll dive into that a bit more, maybe. The Flames had six games in that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were a bit more pessimistic on them. I thought they'd only win two. You thought they would go 500, win three. They did, in fact, go three, two, and one. Okay. So you you knew what was going on with the Flames. You knew they would be, as our good friend would say, aggressively mediocre. Yes. (laughs) On that note, do you want to talk about the Flames? Yeah, I can talk about the Flames. They went on a nine-day, five-game road trip. That's kind of where we left them at the end of our last episode. And while they're good on the road, I mean, any nine-day road trip is going to be a little difficult. And they played some really good teams. They played Nashville. They played Boston. They played Tampa. And, you know, they came out of it pretty good. They came out of it 3-1-1, and which on that road trip, which I think is, I think is just fine, honestly, considering the caliber of teams they played the uh the last one in that three one and one was an overtime loss to nashville which was an absolute heartbreaker because michael backland put in one of the best games i've ever seen him play as a flame he had some wicked goal he had like a wicked end-to-end goal a crazy end-to-end assist he scored with just over a minute remaining to put the flames up and then with 0.1 seconds left the flames gave up the lead on a net front scramble that a lot of people probably should have done a lot better on, but ultimately <laughs> went in the net. And then in overtime, Michael Granlund scored to put it away for Nashville. And that, at the time, seemed like a complete backbreaker. But, I mean, as a whole, the road trip, they still got seven points out of a possible ten. That's, you know what, that's pretty good. Yep. So, it's been a pretty decent couple of weeks for the Flames. Like I said, Backlund was going off, not just in that game. He was just, you know, all of a sudden woke up and I read one funny comment a lot of the internet Flames fans have been kind of hard on Backlund all year because he has been a little quiet offensively, but uh, someone was questioning why he was suddenly so good. And and um, if you don't know, Michael Backlund and his wife had a baby at the beginning of the season. And someone said, well, this kid probably started sleeping through the night. And that's why he's actually starting to score now. And you know what? That person's probably not too far off. So good for Michael Backlund and uh, Cam Talbot. Two big shutouts lately. He shut out Florida last night, and he had another big shutout against Anaheim earlier on. So the goalies are doing all right. Riddick's pretty inconsistent. He's a lot like the Flames themselves. 
but uh, he has had a much better last couple weeks after after you brought up how he was faring after the stick flip. <laughs> He's been kind of recovering from that. As we stand now, the team actually plays 16 of their last 19 games at home. Wow. So that might be actually a bit of a problem because the Flames have been so good <laughs> on the road. And at home, they're only 14, 12, and 4, mm. which you should be better in your own barn. Uh, so I think the Flames are going to maybe be in for a bit of a tough haul. Hopefully they'll figure it out at home. They'll get settled in and have a nice long homestand to finish things off. And and with that in mind, I think when we get to predictions, you'll see that I'm a little bit more optimistic. I really, I really go up and down with the <laughs> team. I'm really optimistic and then really pessimistic. So I like the hard play. I like that they have gone... Like they had a really good road trip against some really tough teams and hung in there. I like where we're going. And yes, I'm the podcaster that forgot about the trade deadline for my <laughs> team. Stu made a joke before we went on air about the Flames did nothing at the deadline. And I was like, oh, come on. The Flames made some trades at the deadline. And then I immediately realized that I'd forgotten to write down <laughs> anything about those trades. But I do want to cover them quickly because I do think they were good trades, even though I completely forgot about them. So... The Flames got defenseman Eric Gustafson from Chicago for a third-round pick. So, automatically you think, well, he must not be that great if he was just traded for one third-round pick. Well, last year he had 60 points. So, he's proven that he could be a very offensive defenseman. Now, the reason he went for only a third-round pick is he's been pretty disappointing this year. Not as good offensively, and apparently he's a bit of a train wreck defensively, which, as a defenseman, not ideal. <laughs> But if you can pick up somebody that you know can have success and in the past has had success, he's still pretty young for a third round pick. I think that's a good trade. And he's a free agent at the end of the year, which in a sense worries me because the Flames already have two free agents in Brody and Hamannick. Then they picked up Gustafson, who's going to be a free agent. And they also spent a conditional fourth round pick on defenseman Derek Forbert from the Kings. And he's a free agent at the end of the year. So that's four defensemen who are free agents, which is kind of worrying. But at the same time, I look at it this way. It's a big competition and the Flames can kind of assess who they think they want to keep for the years afterwards. And if they bring in two younger cheaper guys like Forbert and Gustafson hopefully they can use that as internal competition to decide hey these guys are good we can sign them for maybe a little cheaper than Brody or Hamannick or vice versa or who knows what'll happen so they may seem like kind of weird trades but I think they've been helping on the defensive end Gustafson is a great power play player and since he got to the flames their power play has gone three of six which is pretty good and Derek Forbert's a big six foot four, shut down, hit him hard in the corners type guy, and they've put him with Gustafson. And honestly, I've liked what I've seen from them. They're playing farther down in the lineup than they're used to, which is probably good. And I think the Flames will get to assess two pretty good young defensemen who they got for relatively cheap, and hopefully they can keep one or both of them to start the upcoming seasons. So that's where I think they're aiming with those trades and I think that those were wise trades that kind of went under the radar. So under the radar that I almost forgot about <laughs> them as a fan of the Flames. So speaking of our trade deadline, I think the Oilers were another team that had a big trade deadline. They brought in a few players and a lot of experts have said that they might have had the best trade deadline. What do you think of that? 
Well, as one of those not at all experts. <laughs> no, no. We're experts. Um, I like Holland is clearly going for it. Like uh, he, he didn't sell any first round picks or anything like that, but he made four trades on or around trade deadline uh, and three of which are basically rentals because they're going to be UFAs in July and we don't exactly have much cap space. So mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if we're going to sign many of those guys, maybe one of them, but we'll see. Uh, so it's clearly only rentals, only intended for this push for hopefully, touch wood, this playoff run. <laughs> uh, so clearly Holland thinks the team can do it. He wants to give them the pieces to give them that ability to do it. So uh, he's going for it, which again is, you know, Outside of his original plan for them, uh, he said, you know, we're not going to push too hard. We're not going to try and rush things. Uh, but he's seen the team work hard. He's seen the team win some games and rise to near the top of a garbage division. We've discussed <laughs> that before. The <laughs> Pacific Division. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's seen them work hard. He's seen them earn that place. So he's, you know, willing to help them out where he can in filling in some of the holes that we have because there are holes there. So that's that's exciting. Um, starting with Green, who is the one who we got uh, right before trade deadline, um, I think he will be a good contributor. He's not going to be one that we're going to see on the score sheet, I don't think, but he's going to be kind of the because um, he's he's very defensive defenseman. Uh, well, <laughs> this is Mike Green we're talking about. <laughs> okay, <laughs> defensive defenseman may be a bit of a stretch. Like he is offensive, but he's not going to be a huge point scorer for us I don't think and that's not really necessarily what we're looking for we're looking for just strong solid defensemen who can get points too and we won't complain if he does aren't we all (laughs) but on the offensive side uh obviously uh Ennis was one of the pickups and Andreas Athanasiu so uh two uh interesting young uh offensive forwards who in their very first game both of them got lined up with mcdavid so obviously you know (laughs) that's gotta help yeah that's all right but that line as a whole combined for two goals five assists eight shots and a plus six in that first game together so that's that's a pretty nuts uh line um especially considering you know aside from mcdavid who's like a 12 to 20 to 40 million dollar player whatever he is uh the other two are nowhere near that they're like fractions of what he's earning so that's that's a pretty solid stat the Oilers went on to lose that game in overtime (laughs) we won't cover that too much further uh interestingly though um since then uh there's been a little bit of injuries some lineup shuffling so Neither of them have really performed quite as well as they did that time, uh, but they also haven't been in that same combination. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if they ever get shuffled back into that combination because that seemed to work pretty well. Mm. But either way, uh, again, they lost the game. Maybe they're not going to get those points every night. That's a pretty exciting first game after the trade deadline to see that kind of stuff happen. So so I was pretty excited about that. Those guys are fast, too. Yes. you and Ennis are very fast. So, putting yeah. them with McDavid. And McDavid ain't no slouch. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be very, you know, it's very exciting to see all of them just whipping around yeah. the ice. So, one sort of just interesting little 
trivia thing that I wanted to bring up that's kind of fun. Ooh, trivia. Is uh, the trade lineage, if you were. Oh, I love those. For Athanasiu. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of work my way backwards here. Obviously, I'm not going to say all the different pieces that were involved in the trade because there was lots and that would just take us forever. But just really quickly, Athanasiu we picked up from a trade involving Sam Gagne, who came from a trade with Ryan Spooner, from Ryan Strom, from Jordan Eberle. Right there, that's already like, okay, wow, they've <laughs> made some impact for the Oilers there. Uh, he came via pick in the Chris Pronger trade, came from Eric Brewer, came from Roman Hammerlick, who came from Brian Marchment, who came from Stephen Rice, who came from a trade for Mark freaking Messier back in 1991, three years before Athanasia was even born. Wow. So that's uh, a fun little lineage of <laughs> yeah. how long that trade line has been going on. Um, and there's an article that I saw that kind of went into much more detail than what I just did there. Uh, that if I remember, I will post into the show notes because <laughs> uh, it's an interesting read if you like that kind of thing. But again, just a fun little tidbit to add to the trade deadline excitement. I love reading those, seeing where, yeah, trade lineage is a good way to put it, but where players and the picks and everything came from. And it sometimes it starts so far down the line. It's crazy. Yeah. And like I said, in that article, there's definitely a lot more forks and stuff that spread out that he goes into more detail on that I just kind of ignored for now uh, yeah, but yeah. uh yeah really interesting now it is time for sellies and scorns uh, i think i'm going to start us off so my selly some of you may have heard this story but i feel it very necessary to repeat it and no it's not the emergency backup goalie thing Stu and i have decided we're sick to death of hearing about that even though we talked about it for 10 minutes before we hit record. before yeah we got it out of our system before we started recording but i'm going to talk about bobby ryan because he's had an incredible comeback in the last week and i don't care if you've heard about it on sports center or whatever i think it bears repeating so Bobby Ryan started off his career in Anaheim and he really broke out of the gates and was a big time scorer and everyone thought he'd be a huge impact player. He ended up being traded to the Ottawa Senators and things kind of went downhill in Ottawa for him. He's had a really tough career in Ottawa and he's kind of maligned by the fans because he's got a huge contract and he doesn't score much. So it's been kind of unfortunate for him. Um, I remember reading an article that he wrote on the Players' Tribune, which if you've never heard of Players' Tribune, you should check it out. It's a website where players of all sports write articles, and a lot of them are really, really insightful. But he wrote one called Dear Mom, and it was all about how he and his mom struggled growing up. He had a, His mom was a single mom that raised him, and they had to help each other through really tough times, and then he made it to the NHL. And it was a really, really, really moving article that's one of my favorites. Nonetheless, he's still, he's still having a rough career, even though he wrote a great article. And the beginning of this season was even worse. Just very poor start to the year, and Sens fans were very upset. And then in November, Bobby Ryan checked himself into the NHL rehab program for alcohol abuse. Now, that takes a lot of guts to check yourself in like that midseason. And he even admitted in one of his interviews recently that he had been hoping to do it in the offseason when you can when basically you don't have to tell anybody about it. But since he was taking a leave from the team, it came out that he was checking himself into rehab for alcohol abuse. And he was in rehab for 100 days. He came back Thursday, February 27th, played for the Senators, and he scored a hat trick in his first game back. Lifted Ditko for an extra attacker. Bobby Ryan has a hat trick. Welcome back. 
And I'm just glad to see that everything went well for him. I mean, obviously, alcohol abuse is no joke. And for someone that's in the public eye like that, who's had a tough career, to check himself into alcohol abuse and then come back and score a hat trick, that's really cool. So congrats to Bobby Ryan first for, you know, basically owning up and and taking control of your life and getting over alcohol abuse that's really awesome and then also congrats for the hat trick on your first game back that's one way to endear yourself to basically the whole nhl except the vancouver canucks possibly who (laughs) they were playing against and beat but uh i just wanted to bring that up big selly out to bobby ryan that's really cool what do you got for sellies do well my selly is uh equally as impactful in the real world and and (laughs) emotional really tugs at the heartstrings not at all no so uh, during the you know fun that is trade center and trade deadline day where nothing usually happens for a long time a few fun little tweets uh came up uh so the prudential center which for those of you who don't know is the arena of the new jersey devils so they tweeted Trade alert, Prudential Center has traded a printer to at Barclays Center for four coffee machines and a wide variety of K-Cups, press conference pending. Barclays Center is the uh, Islanders uh, arena, for those who don't know. So anyways, cute little thing, ha ha ha, but here's where it gets good. So the Barclays Center responds to this with a picture of a very empty New Jersey's section of the arena, except for one very depressed looking fan. And they said, we figured your fans might need the caffeine this season. Enjoy. (laughs) But wait, it continues. The Prudential Center responded to that and said, you can send the coffee to 25 Lafayette Street, Newark, New Jersey. Is the printer for the Islanders? Uh, if so, where should we send it? Brooklyn, NASA, or Belmont, is it? Uh, the running joke that the Islanders just don't have a home arena there all over the place because they're in construction limbo and all that. So just good fun between two arenas. Who knew that arenas could poke fun at each other like that? But a little uh, lightheartedness to sub in for your trade deadline nonsense. That's great. <laughs> Whoever's in charge of the arena Twitter account was like, finally, I have something to do. <laughs> <laughs> also a great trade center sort of, you know, incident like that that I totally forgot about that I'm going to sneak in here is uh, players often have to practice on trade deadline day. And the Calgary Flames had held a practice that day. And it was, I think, just like an hour before trade deadline was the Flames practice and Gaudreau left the ice early and there's always mobs of media at these things because you know if players leave that's kind of an indication they've been traded so Gaudreau gets off the ice before practice is over and he doesn't come back and there's all these tweets and media is blowing up and then afterwards they interview Johnny and he goes no I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal um I had to pee, talk to Wurda, I didn't realize, uh, well, Wurda said there was only like two minutes left in practice, so uh, he said it was good just to get off, and uh, got off, and the phone was blowing up, so uh, I don't think you, nothing to worry about. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that was a fun little troll (laughs) by Johnny. It's kind of hard to tell, but uh, I like to think that he was absolutely knew what he was doing. But uh, I'm going to follow that up with my scorn. My scorn is actually for the Florida Panthers, just in general, the team, the Florida Panthers. The Flames shut them out last night, and I kind of came to realize how sad of a franchise that is. Because 
they've been stuck in mediocrity forever longer than even the flames probably which is very sad and this summer it looked like they finally did something about it they signed Bobrovsky for 70 million dollars and like here's our goalie he's gonna be with us forever and he's amazing they brought in joel quenville the legendary coach of the blackhawks who won all those cups they made some trades they were supposed to be good finally well they've lost five of their last six they're five points out of playoffs the building is still completely empty down there during games basically even though they've made all these changes and they should be good they have two young stars in barkov and huberto who are very good, but apparently can't lead their team to the playoffs. And according to fans and journalists, it looks like the players are just kind of giving up because they can't win down there. So my plea is to move the Panthers to a market that cares. Because, like, I hate empty buildings in sports. That's the most depressing thing. Your team can be bad, but if there's no fans in the arena, that's the worst. And... The Panthers is one of the worst culprits for this in the league by far. They very rarely are packed with fans, especially when Tampa Bay is just down the road and they're awesome. So I think the Panthers should move. They've been mediocre for way too long. Things don't happen there. I forget they exist a lot of the time. So clean it up, Florida. NHL, you should step in and be like, move to, I don't know, what would be fun? Quebec City? Quebec City would be a lot of fun. Gosh, way to start that right. No, it's... (laughs) I think it should be done. I'm, I don't like seeing empty buildings in the NHL. In Florida, I was going to say Florida's a terrible market for hockey, but they have Tampa. But Tampa's just good all the time. I think if Tampa was really bad, they would lose a lot of fans too. Get it together, Florida. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, speaking of teams that would just love for mediocrity to occur. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a thing. No one wants mediocrity to occur. Believe me, this team does. Oh, boy. My scorn is for the Detroit Red Wings. So we teased it right off the top with the timestamp. They have already been eliminated from the playoff contention in their 63rd game of the season. Uh, That is the earliest elimination in NHL since the Ottawa Sanders were eliminated in game 63 back in 95-96. So now this sort of resonates for a lot of our listeners maybe. I'm pretty sure a lot of Oilers fans are thinking, wow, that's bad. I'm pretty sure a lot of Oilers fans are thinking, wait, we weren't the first eliminated <laughs> at some point? Like, a lot of Oilers fans are like, man, I remember some years that were just, like, we were out of it, it felt like, by October. <laughs> Sometimes it felt that way, but apparently no. Uh, yeah, so not even uh, trade deadline. It was February 21st. Uh, and they were already eliminated from the playoffs. We should have like a bell go off every time a team gets eliminated. <laughs> Except for the great. fact that we'd only have one bell and then we'd have to wait, you know, two more months before we get to use it again. It's like it's like the Budweiser red light thing, except it's a death knoll for teams. <laughs> yeah, it's more of a depressing like the trombone that goes flat or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyways, you think Florida needs to get their stuff together. I think uh, Detroit has that's, a lot more work ahead of them. See, that's not fair. I'm going to put my <laughs> scoring up against your scoring because Detroit has been very good for a long time and they've only recently been bad. Florida's just been meh for pretty much ever, right? So what would you rather have? Complete mediocrity and never achieving anything for a very long time or be really, really good for a long time and then really, really, really bad for a bit? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you are the one who has argued that the Flames' mediocrity has been worse to be a fan for than, like, 
the ups and downs of like though there have been very few ups of like the Oilers. Yeah, that's why I'm asking you what you think. <laughs> I don't know what I think. <laughs> oh man. I I can't stand mediocrity. <laughs> I need a win. Anyways, that will wrap up our Celian scorings. I think it's time to move to predictions. Yeah, I guess so. So this is the part where we pretend that we know what we're talking about. Because the rest of this, we didn't pretend that we knew what we were talking about, right? We just knew. Yeah, we just actually did know what we were talking hey, about. Hey, you said at the beginning that I knew what I was talking about with my predictions from last week. So Sure. Let's follow that up with a strong showing, shall we? Okay, let's do that. So uh, we'll predict from March 3rd through the 14th. Uh, the Oilers have six games in that time and the Flames have five. Who do you feel like starting with? Hmm. Let's start with the Oilers. Okay. Uh, I have the Oilers winning four out of their six. Uh, this is very similar to the last couple weeks. For them, they have, like, on the weaker end of teams, so I think they should be able to push through. Of course, they didn't really last <laughs> last time, but I still have them winning four. I mean, the Oilers are an offensive powerhouse, and I think they have... They have the ability to go f like four and two against these teams, so there's no reason for it not to happen. But it's the Oilers, so let's watch them lose <laughs> four, shall we? Yeah, I have the Oilers going four and two as well. Um, I thought very similar things, fairly easy teams, a uh, couple hard teams in Vegas and Winnipeg. Although they did beat Winnipeg the other night, so who knows? <laughs> But again, you know, they've got some easy teams and who knows. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I agree with everything you said. They, they should be able to do well. They seem like they could do well, but who knows. <laughs> They're not so comfortable on the top of the Pacific that they can afford to cruise. They should be. It's true. And hopefully that'll, that'll make them fight a little bit harder. Yeah. So. Speaking of which, the Flames. Yeah. I have them going four and one. Mm. Yeah. I don't know why. I really don't know why. I mean, the three one and one road trip was good. Can they keep winning at that rate? Probably not. But they looked good enough to win at that rate. So I have the confidence that you know they will go above five hundred at the very least. But I'm predicting four and one for the shock value in two weeks when I go. What I predicted that. That's pretty much my thought process. Okay. <laughs> I see you looking at stats. What are you What are you? No, up? I had to pull up the schedule again because your number was drastically different from mine, so I thought I was picking from a different schedule than you. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they're only going to win two out of the five. Wow. Uh, again, like, teams they're playing against, they've got the Jets, they've got the Islanders, they've got the Vegas Golden Knights. Not super easy teams. You know, it's hockey, so anything could happen. So I totally believe you're four out of five. But uh, those are some pretty difficult teams. Um, and the Flames just don't seem like they've got all the pieces they need to keep trucking along at, at any rate that they're currently going. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But obviously we had very similar views on one yeah. team this episode and very different on another the oilers basically have to keep their head above water the flames are essentially drowning and need to scrap their Get way back up. up they're technically in a playoff spot but that changes every night consider like depending on who's playing mm -hmm. so i'm just hoping I, this is more hope than like a <laughs> like a prediction of what i think will happen because 
they really need to settle in at home and crush a bunch of teams to stay in the position they're at. So I hope they go four and one. Fair enough. That is the end of our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Our theme song is Lose Your Head by Apache Tomcat. Please rate and like us and subscribe to us, download everything like that. And please tell everybody you know about the podcast. That helps us so much. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with another one. Yeah.